episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Broads, 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 broads. <laughs> Good morning, broad family. We love you, broad family. How are you? Jess, by the way, has been sending, sent me a Ty Pennington um, IG story the other day. Because you know I started following Ty Pennington and he is he such a... does not disappoint. He does not disappoint. He is such a daddy and he also is posting from like his like home and he's just oh my gosh it's just all the material that i need right now (laughs) yeah send me a story where he's like in like a pottery studio just like working the wheel with the clay i'm like okay thirst trap daddy pennington (laughs) thirst trap to the max i also had a broad shout out i don't remember who it was i laughed so hard in your uh, giveaway for your upcoming clothing line. Oh, she tagged my name and Ty Pennington together. <laughs> she licensed the bad mom thirst for like Ty Pennington. I was laughing so hard. I was like, yes. I was like, yes, Ty, notice me, Tyler. <laughs> Guys, wait. Okay, I feel like we've been utilizing this a little too often, but like, Jess, what if we get Ty Pennington on the show to talk about his time doing Extreme Home Makeover? I feel like, first of all, I feel like that's very plausible to do. Yeah, I feel like too. Um, also, apparently, he like he was doing extreme home makeover. I actually, because of course, now I'm digging into Ty Pennington because love eyes. But apparently, he did extreme home makeover for ten years, and like the you know the numbers were crazy. It was great. Everyone loved him. And one day, they just fired him. And replaced him with like no explanation with Jesse Ferguson, who I love from Modern Family. Um, but he was like, yeah. And he ended up doing an interview and being like, yeah, I'll be real with you. Like, I love my family over at Extreme Home Makeovers. But yeah, it was devastating. And it made you question, like, was I not a good host? I don't understand. Like, yeah. So I want... What? I want Let's all get him on to spill the tea, Rods! Get him on. Get a tie on. We need him. I feel like I will just be, by the way, if he comes on, you know, I'll be so flustered and all the comments will be like, oh my gosh, look at Jess. She's so red and she's such a nervous wreck. And I will be. You'd be like, yeah, big fan. Your your voice gets all like husky. You're like a big fan of extreme home. Hi, hi, chatty broads. How are you doing today? We're joined by a guest. Today we're joined by, um, you look on your phone as if you don't remember his name. You're like, we're joined by Ty, Ty, how do you pronounce this? Peenington. Peenington. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) T-Y Peenington. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get him on broads. Okay, um, that's not what we're talking about today, though no we are talking about about me about becca with a capital b honey we're actually not though we're just talking about so my little clothing collection is coming out on monday which is crazy and i would set your alarms because i think i probably did this on way too small of a scale because I was trying to be like really eco-conscious and like don't want any extra excess you know Mm -hmm. excess stock or anything but because of that I might have like seriously underproduced so set your alarms I think it's a 10 pacific 
time on Monday. Okay, that's a reasonable time. I was ready to wake up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> Just like it's girl, you're, in the you're, morning. Uh, you know you're already getting your good Alma merch. <sighs> oh my god, I'm the so mail queen. I'm so excited. Anyway, so uh that's happening but i just wanted to have a conversation like a bigger conversation about um just like fashion and you know environmental issues surrounding it and all of that and just kind of have a broader conversation yeah. about the topic and um so yeah we we are gonna have a great guest today who um she actually filmed a little thing at my house like before the pandemic where we talked about um, like living a lo- – wow, my hair – living a lower waist life. And so she actually like came over to my house and like went through my closet and we talked about stuff. Yes, I remember that. That was so interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, we thought that she would be a great person to talk to that about. But yeah, anyway, it's exciting stuff. I'm I cannot. I'm I cannot wait. I'm so excited for you. How was the process of oh, making yeah. the line? Can you? Oh, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> a nightmare. Hell on earth. Um, <laughs> I regret all of it. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I started on this project like at the end of 2019, which is crazy, yeah. like a long time ago. And in my head, I was like, this is going to take like five or six months. Um, no, I mean, like life happened, but then also COVID, mm-hmm. which um, so everything's actually manufactured in Portugal because I'm partnering with a company on this that is based in the UK. And so they've actually been working with this factory in Portugal for like over 20 years um, super transparent in terms of production there. Like I've seen photos and videos from all the manufacturing facilities. They have like third parties who go in and make sure that everything is super ethical and not only ethical, but that it's like an enjoyable work environment, beautiful factories. Anyway, um, but with COVID, especially in Portugal too, there was like crazy shutdowns yeah. and then there would be reopenings and there would be shutdowns. And even just on the designing side, like, I'm not a fashion designer. So like the, the all the stuff was my ideas, but then I would like the company I'm working with, then they would like shoot me over like their ideas and I'm like, crazy picky and difficult to work with. We love and that so, about you though, <laughs> because that we're going to get, we're getting line a la Becca. This is what no, Becca. Even, even this, I'm like, oh my God, there is like so many things I would change like even now. Cause I just like change my mind all the time. <laughs> And so, like, even now, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I shouldn't have done this. Like, people are going to hate this. Like, oh this is, God. like, the, the <laughs> stuff that's going on in my head. And, like, I should have done this, like, two inches shorter and, like, whatever. Um, so that was crazy because I was going back and forth with them. And I would literally, like, we'd get on a call. And, of course, this is all over Zoom, too. So when you're trying to, like, make adjustments in terms of, like, style and fit over Zoom, that is crazy. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> And, you know, sometimes I would be like, oh, change this. And then two weeks later, I would be like, oh, I want it to be like this. And they're like, that's the change you made like two weeks ago. Like it used to be like this. And I would be like, <laughs> and you're like oh, I just times like- <laughs> are changing. I just like to keep you on my toes. I'm horrible to work with. I'm also the person when we're like, we're working on the website and I'm like, this needs to be adjusted like two centimeters up and I want it to be uh, more of an off white instead of like a stark white. Like I'm just like, you know, you are a surprising perfectionist because everything about you is very like, um, 
you have like big weed energy, like where mm-hmm. like in person you're very like, yeah, for sure. And like conversationally you're super, but what maybe the broads don't know is when it comes to business, you are very specific about I am very particular. What, that's like, what I'm saying. You're very like you're a yeah. perfectionist about like I want it to be quality. I want it to be these are like the morals that I want behind it. Like, I mean, like very much so. And it's still not good enough for me. Like, and I'm particular about certain things like and Jess knows this too. In other areas of my life, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And that that is an issue sometimes too. But um, but you know, like things can always be better. And so like actually going into future launches, like in the next launch, we're only going to be working with natural dyes. That's something I wasn't as educated on in this launch, but like we're only going to be using natural dyes. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm going to make sure in the next launch, I'm going to try to make sure that everything is carbon neutral shipping, like really working on, on that. But I was super particular about like, no, all this packing packaging, I want to be compostable. Um, they were like, oh, we have these biodegradable bags. I'm like, no, I want compostable bags. Like I want backyard compostable bags. Like, so it was, it was a lot. And like, I really am a nightmare, I'm sure. But (laughs) you know, in the end, it's, uh, it's my thing is my project. Yes. So it's been crazy, but it's also been really fun and a really cool creative outlet. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about it. But yeah, it's been fun. Oh, my God. I can't wait to tell you, though, Jess, about like I'm doing sketches right now for the next thing that I want to make. And I just I, I'm like so at the beginning stages, I'm literally just sketching right now but what I want to do is I want to have like teas like um basically teas I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do like I think astrology teas like a tea for each member of the zodiac and they're gonna be like I'm sketching out like little drawings and symbols for each sign of the like zodiac so it's gonna be like your art yeah, it's going to be my art, I think. And I think it's going to be embroidered. But I'm going to have like little sketches of like sex positions and like animals and like and 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 I'm like really, really excited. So oh my I'm God, like kind of that sounds incredible and embroidered. OK, also, yeah. also side note, just like picturing you with like your sketchbook as like now like a fashion designer, <laughs> just like looking out the window and just being like with the music Pe- and the, the oh, no TV. <laughs> I love I love Paris. <laughs> You're just looking at Vogue. <laughs> You're just like, Anne Hathaway. Yeah, I was gonna say just Miranda Priestley in the next room is just about to be wowed by all of your designs. That's so exciting, though. Oh my yeah, gosh, I can't. I'm wait. having I'm having fun with it. So, um, and actually, like in the in the coming stuff that I do, it's still going to be like very exclusive and very small, but I want it to be like even more connected to my ethics, even more connected to me. But still, I am very proud of what I've made this time. But like, I am fully like expecting that there may be issues, you know, and like whatever. But um, it's the first it's the first time. It's exciting. It's so exciting. Anyway, well, congratulations. But, um, I cannot thank you wait. For supporting me. A- girlfriend are you kidding me and like you said too this has like been like a labor of love and this has been a while coming specifically on top of it with the pandemic and everything so big congratulations big cheers to you if it wasn't you know early in the morning I would definitely be clinking a glass of champagne or vino to you or something but you know working on that (laughs) thanks thanks queen thanks queen yeah I mean like there's uh, 
there's going to be like some little kinks. Like I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to make like shipping costs cheaper because the company just like sprung on the shipping costs for consumers. And I'm like, no, no one is allowed to pay more than $5 and ship it. And then, you know, I'm like, I know that there's going to be kinks and I know that people will always be like disappointed about something and I'm prepping myself for that. But this has been a labor of love and I hope that everyone enjoys and loves it. As your friend, I will tell you this, you know, everyone, there's always someone who's disappointed with something, but I would say, I would imagine that the mass majority overall is so excited and being your friend, having seen this from the sidelines, like I know for a fact that you've given it your all and done everything that you can. So I think that it's extremely exciting and it's glorious and I'm so proud of you and I can't believe you have your own fashion line. That's very exciting. Thank you so much. So should should we dive into our guest and talk about this conversation broads? I'm super excited for you all to listen to because um, Abigail, our guest, and Becca spout some knowledge I didn't know about. And it's just like, yeah, it's a really great conversation. Um, Super informative. And let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, broads, we have to take a quick pause. Here's the thing. Beck and I both have multiple pets. You'll see Becca's cats in this podcast a few times, I believe, the tufty little tail. And if you're anything like us, your pets are just members of your family. That means they deserve the best across the board. And I will gladly admit that sometimes I go overboard with my puppies because I love them so much. And one of my favorite brands when it comes to pet grooming products, and I have to say not one of my my favorite brand, um, is Scout's Honor. They tackle everything from itch relief to odor control and skin and coat health, which my puppies struggle with. Um, Mm. And if you've seen my dogs, you know that they are the two most opposite breeds ever. I have a giant Mastiff and a teeny tiny Chihuahua. Both, though, have little skin allergy issues, which have been like fully solved since using Scout's Honor. So we are so grateful. All of their products are both scientifically proven, but also natural, which is so important. And oftentimes pet products are full of harmful chemicals that aren't good for your pets, let alone the rest of your family that's going to inevitably inhale them when they go in for puppy and kitten snuggles. Mm -hmm. But all of Scout's Honor's products are probiotic, so they support healthy bacteria to help combat any of your pet skin issues. Um, And I have the Grooming Essentials kits for my cats, and the lavender scent is fantastic. Guys, it smells amazing. I, I can fully get behind it brand. smells so good. All of their scents are so good. I love the lavender. I think my favorite has to be the Dog of the Woods scent because it's this like amazing combination of sandalwood and vanilla. I swear to you, it smells like your Ooh. favorite woodsy perfume. And uh, my pups have never looked or smelled better than they do now that we use Scouts Honor products. To receive 20% off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash chatty. Now that's Scouts with a K. So Scouts Honor, S-K-O-U-T-S-H-O-N-O-R.com slash chatty for 20% off your order. Scouts Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. Scouts with a K, Scouts Honor. And speaking of grooming solutions, broads, everybody's Mm. hair, everyone's hair is so unique to them, which means every hair care product needs to be just as unique. There's only one brand I trust making custom to you hair products, and that's Function of Beauty. And Lord knows I'm very particular about taking care of the hair that I have. So Function of Beauty it is. 
I swear to you guys, I have never loved my hair more than I do when I use Function of Beauty products. I just washed my hair with their yes, shampoo same. the other day. <laughs> uh, it perfectly emphasizes my natural waves, keeps my locks super shiny and soft. Obviously, I look fantastic. Um, all you <laughs> have to do is take a quick online quiz. The team of Function of Beauty can learn about your hair type and your hair goals. You get to choose the fun parts like color and fragrance. And before you know it, your custom formula is delivered right to your front door. I love it because I can do no color like you can do no dyes yeah and you can do no fragrance that's so hard to find in stores I feel like like you can do no scent no dyes no nothing if you want or you know you can do like tropical bright orange like it's all customizable all all the options in fact so customizable there are over 54 trillion trillion with a T different ingredient combinations okay that's wild I can't even wrap my brain around that it doesn't get more custom than than that plus all of their products are vegan and cruelty free and they never use sulfates or parabens Uh, you even have the option to easily customize your formula before each shipment completely hassle free Never buy off the shelf. You're just going to be disappointed. Never do that again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash broads to take your quiz and you'll save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. You just go to functionofbeauty.com slash broads. Let them know we sent you and you're going to get 20% off your order. Functionofbeauty.com slash broads. Well, we're so excited to have this wonderful guest today. Yes. I have met before kind of briefly and and I'm sure she can do a more uh, a better intro for herself but today we're joined by Abigail Chapin yes thank you for coming Abigail our expert thank you so much for having me I'm very honored to be here so we actually first met through Sierra who Jess and I had on the show like a while ago. Love Sierra. Year the, and a like, half ago. The queen of delivering the goodies, too. Ever since she came on the show, every once in a while I'll get a package and I'll be like, damn it, Sierra. Shout <laughs> out to Love Wild Design. Love Wild Design. Shout her out, so I'm glad you are. Yes, she's my dear friend. And um, I, uh, well, I'm here because I have a clothing store um, and I'm sort of uh, second generation. It was my mom's clothing store. And then my sister and I have recently taken it over. And I actually met Sierra first because she is a vendor that we sell at the store. Um, we have, it's a clothing store, um, but we have a small apothecary section and we carry Love Wild, which we love. And then when we both had babies at the same time, we actually met each other because we lived around the corner from each other um, in the East Village in New York City. And then we ended up joining a mom's group that was um and we yeah we realized that we were neighbors and so our daughters are very close friends although we never get to see them because of the pandemic but it's very it's we we do a lot of uh facetime play where they're just up in their rooms like playing with each other on facetime it's kind of sad a sad world (laughs) these days (laughs) really sad and tragic But the mom friends are so necessary. So necessary. (laughs) Okay, now I'm curious, Abigail, you own a clothing store. What we're going to be talking about today, I think, is fast fashion, more sustainable fashion. Um, I want to talk a little bit about those buzzwords of like sustainable and all that. And but like, how did you get into this whole world? Obviously, you've been involved a bit in that world since your parent, since your mother owned the clothing store first, but maybe you can talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, well, so I am a musician also. My sister and I um, have a band called the Chapin Sisters, and we spent our like 20s touring. Uh, that was our main job. And then we both had kids. We both moved back to New York, and um, we were living in LA before. And um, we both have five year old daughters. And when our mom was ready to retire, she had had the store. It's named after us, um, Abigail Rose and Lily, too. It was named after us when we were little kids. And she was going to sell the store and we, cause you know, she was like, I'm ready to just be a grandma. I can't handle the stress of, you know, budgets and, you know, when the economy's bad or we have a hurricane, like no one comes in. She was just stressed yeah. out and she did not want to pivot to online sales and she was just feeling done. And so she was thinking about selling it. And then Lily and I, we were like, had little babies and we were not touring. And so we just were like, okay, well, we could do this. Like, let's try it. We'll just, you know, it can be our side job. And if there's two of us, it won't be full time. We can both do it part time and we'll have employees. And then four years later, it's like definitely our full time job. <laughs> and it's been, it's really great. It's like, it, I didn't realize how much I would love having a clothing store. Like I've always been into fashion. I spent a long time when I was touring um, as a stylist also on the side. And, um, and I still do that sometimes um, for, you know, costumes and TV and commercials. Um, so I've always had like a toe in fashion in some way. I had a, a handbag line for a while. I just like, I've always loved to make things. I've always loved textiles. I've always loved fashion. Um, and, um, my mom was really ahead of her time in the eighties when she opened the store, her focus was on natural fibers. Now you Ooh, I know you oh, both wow. are very young and weren't alive in the eighties, but I was, and, um, Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone was wearing, was really into not natural fibers. Like I look at my class picture from like second grade and everyone's wearing a fluorescent spandex dress <laughs> and I'm wearing like, I look like I'm in Little House on the Prairie, you know, like, I'm like a floral, <laughs> you know, length floral puff sleeve dress. Um, but my mom was definitely on that tip very early. Mm. Um, she'd come out of like a craft seventies craft background. And when she opened her store, that was kind of the aesthetic she was going for and it created a community of people in our area we live um I now live here too um right outside New York City so it's about 30 miles from New York City and um there's a lot of artists and it's not a super commuter town it's like a um the trains on the other side of the river so we have people who are artists who need access to the city um we have some commuters but people who like go in and out of New York but don't have to have the nine to five grind. That's kind of the vibe of our community. So there, it turned out there was a lot of people looking for the clothes that she was finding. And mm. um, when she was talking about closing, suddenly people were like, you could never close. I'll have to move if you close. Like, this <laughs> yeah. was, you know, so we realized that there was like a real need for what she was doing in the community. So we took over and um, have just continued to grow. Um, we recently moved to the slightly bigger town that's also very small next to the really tiny town she was in for 35 <laughs> years. Um, and uh, we have just coupled with um, being, being in love with the aesthetics of the fashion and the feel of the clothes. Like we're also very interested in the supply chain and mm. 
um, and the ethics. And you can come at it. We're going to start talking about fast fashion, but you can come at it from really any angle. Like if you want to talk about feminism, if you want to talk about the environment, if you want to talk about child labor, if you want to, you know, there's so many different ways that this impacts us. And as women, um, you know, textiles are traditionally a women's craft. And that I think is why um, maybe one of the reasons that they're so undervalued in the world. Mm. Because, mm. you know, it's women, it's 80% women who are in this world from, you know, obviously if you go into a store, it's usually often women. Yeah. And then also like all the way up the supply chain to the people who are weaving, knitting, uh, spinning the yarn, doing mm-hmm. ev- all mm-hmm. of those things and certainly sewing the clothes. So yeah, so it's something that we think a lot about. Wow. Okay, so maybe we should start there talking about natural fibers and different types of fibers because I feel like this is a really good like basic place to start. Um, sounds like you grew up being completely immersed in the world of of natural fibers, like you were saying, can you talk a little bit about like what that is and then why one would choose natural fibers over other fibers and why I guess that's really important right now for the environment? Sure. Yeah. Well, so natural fibers are anything that grows, that comes from a plant or an animal. So like leather, it's a natural fiber, right? Wool comes from a sheep. That's a natural fiber. Um, And then along the lines of wool are cashmere, um, angora comes from rabbits. Um, But then the sort of most common one would be cotton. Mm -hmm. And that's like what most of our t-shirts are made out of. And um, linen, that's like, um, like what you're, I don't know, like grandma wears to the beach or something <laughs> or like I love linen we wear it a lot um, love linen. I just think of if somebody really knows nothing what what they're seeing is when they <laughs> linen. um and then there's um there's rayon which is actually like derived from trees like there's a there's so those are kind of your basic there's cupro which is another part of cotton um those I would say are your basic am I missing anything those are your basic natural fibers I think I think uh, like is is tencel technically a natural, is fiber? natural fiber? That's kind of popular yeah. right now. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Tencel, I believe that it's also it's like a re- similar to rayon. Okay. I think MeUndies is made of. Uh, is made oh, of that's how you pronounce it. I've seen the word. Yeah. I wasn't hundred percent sure. Okay, yes. <laughs> and it's kind of got like more of that stretch, like a little bit more stretchiness. Yeah, yeah, very soft and it's very stretchy. So soft yeah. and um. Yeah. So me undies. So anything that is like athleisure or athletic wear or has stretch to it or is shiny or is like a um, very lightweight tech fabric is going to be a non-natural fiber. Um, And there's a lot of things that we need to be made out of that. Like um, you don't want to go like skiing, wearing only cotton skin or cotton or something <laughs> <Yeah>. leather <laughs> um but there is all of the things that are made out of a non-natural fiber are actually plastic really they're made from plastic is made from um oil so it's like a it's a it's an oil and gas kind of pipeline um 
it comes, yeah, it comes directly from oil and then is made into plastic. And one, you know, one. I've never understood that, by the way. I like it was only recently where I was like, plastic is made from oil, like a, a couple yeah, years yeah. ago. And I was like, what does that even mean? How does that happen? And like, what are the impacts of that? Well, they're huge. And have you, there's an amazing documentary called The, oh man, I don't know, I have to find it, like The Secret of Plastic or something. Basically, like the supplies, the demand side is not pushing out all the plastic that we have or all like there's, it's a supply side issue. Like they just need us to keep using plastic. So they are pushing, pushing it out and using it for more and more things. That's why you get like a banana wrapped in a banana shaped plastic holder because <laughs> like they just, there's so much plastic. They, the oil companies like need us to use more and more and more because they just are trying, they're like, let's see the end in sight. And they're like, we got to get more out before, you know, make hay while the sun shines. Like they, they know that they need to just keep keep pushing plastic at us in every possible way. So one of those ways is in clothing. And uh, I mean, really, oh, I see, is that your cat, Becca? Yeah, that's my cat tail right there. <laughs> Walking by. That's like, wait, when, when, did this, when did plastic, when did it start? When did it become a thing? I want, is that like the 50s or like, yeah, because I, I mean, feel like there was a period where like nothing, there was nothing plastic. And then all of a sudden, everything was plastic. And I feel like you can see it at vintage stores and stuff too, where like all of a sudden you have this whole decade where there's just like Tupperware, like, right. Yeah, but you know, like everything is suddenly made out of it. Well, honestly, you know, plastic is super useful. There are so many things that we could not do without plastic, like synthetic mm. limbs. You know, like there are so many things that are very necessary. Tupperware is a great example. Like you're using it over and over again. It's that we don't need, like, we need like probably like a one percent of the plastic that's in the world. Like there right. are things that like really don't need to be made out of plastic. Um, but mm. certain things do, and that's fine. But it's like it's kind of like everything else. Like moderation in all things is fine, and that's the thing about clothing too. Mm. Like we, everyone owns probably ten times as many uh, articles of clothing as they can actually wear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, in fact, <laughs> I've seen your closet because we did this last year, and you don't have that much. You're very, you're you're very streamlined in your closet. Yet laundry day comes around and suddenly it's like I own like an entire mall is what that feels like. <laughs> I yeah. have many, many clothes, pieces of clothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all do. And that's, um, I mean, not to like launch back into my statistics, but I'm going to, <laughs> the average American buys 60 pieces of clothing a year. And that's, that's a lot. That is a lot. So that, in ca- that like counts for the, like, you know, the uncle who, wears the same shorts he's been wearing since the 50s or whatever like that accounts for the people who buy none so then there's most you know a lot of people are buying twice as many three times as many as that that's a lot well yeah wow i mean that comes down to like five articles of clothing a month which then when you think of it that way it's like yeah maybe i go like shopping once a month and buy five five things Mm -hmm. buy five things it's true if you break it down but the flip side of that is that 85% of those, which I did a little math, that's 51 of those items ends up in the landfill. It's not like that is everyone's wearing all 60 of those things. Right. They're, they're, they're ending up in the landfill. And we think, and I totally do this. I mean, I think everyone does this. We are like, oh, you know, this is 
I love this shirt, but I'm never going to wear it. I'm going to bring it to the Goodwill drop. Mm-hmm. And then someone else is going to buy it and they're going to love it at Goodwill. Some th- and, and we think that, but if 85% of the clothes are ending up in the landfill, the 15% is um, that's left over is the things that we're wearing, the things that are sitting mm-hmm. around in our closet, the things that are being sold at Goodwill and the things that are being shipped overseas and other people in other countries are wearing. And still that leaves 85%. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen like at our thrift stores in LA before. It's funny. Cause I remember one time I was just doing some resale of stuff I found at the thrift store and people are like, no, you need to like leave that stuff for people who can't afford clothes. And I'm like, oh my God, if you've ever been in like an LA drop-off center or an LA thrift store, the issue is not that there's not enough affordable used clothes for people. The issue is that there is an influx and so much of that stuff too. I mean, this, I think this is a great thing to segue into is trends that died out like Mm -hmm. years prior that no one wants to wear like and when you go sort through a through a thrift store a lot of the time it's like stuff that was popular in like 2011 that like literally no one wants to wear now because it was very trendy for the time and now is completely like obsolete and irrelevant only like several years later yeah i mean i think that something being 10 like 10 years out of date like things are now with the way the internet is and the way the trends are going now, it's like much faster even than that. Like the trends, like you can see something and be like, that was really popular like two months ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I would never wear that. And that's what fast fashion. So fast fashion, when I was saying that I was talking to you guys about fast fashion or to you all, I'm trying not to use you guys as a, as <laughs> to women. Um, uh, about fast fashion, a few, a couple of my friends are, uh, were asking, so what do you consider fast fashion? And fast fashion, I think we could say is anything that is like a mall store or there's a lot on the internet that are pushing out new clothes every two weeks. Um, like if you go to an H&M, probably not a lot of people are physically going to H&Ms all the time right now, but I'm uh, I work in a store every day. So, you know, I know yeah. some people are, and, um, we, you know, if you go to an H and M every two weeks, they have completely new clothes. You like don't, the, you don't recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> two, two weeks ago are on super sale yeah. and they're like passe. They're now $4 and the new ones are in the store and they do that every two weeks. So that is, um, just, that is not sustainable. Like, and they're, there's in, in every possible way that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for the consumer to keep up with the trends, mm-hmm. um, even if they wanted to, and even if they could spend the money every two weeks on, on new things. Um, and it's not sustainable for the earth in every possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have just a huge clothing problem. Like there's way, 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 way too much clothing already on the planet and it's not going anywhere. Like natural fibers will disintegrate eventually, like cotton. Maybe, but even like in landfills, it's like if it's stacked in between plastic bags, I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's like a lot of stuff like banana peels won't even disintegrate for like years and years and years. Yeah, I guess you could compost your own sweaters, but (laughs) but like, yeah, they're not gonna... (laughs) 
I was I was reading something if someone was like, yeah, the way it used to work is you would have a piece of clothing like a sweater and you would wear it and you would mend it and fix it until the point where it literally was falling apart and then you would you know cut it into scraps and maybe use it for you know cleaning in your in your kitchen or whatever or um cloth diaper inserts for like you know or whatever this is like we're talking like 100 years ago or even like 75 years ago and then you eventually like tear it up into small strips and you do like put it in your compost Mm -hmm. in your garden yeah and like that's what people did for thousands of years right even my mom who is just like she lives that way a little bit I mean she had a clothing store she has lots of clothes but she also like all her rags are like my dad's old underwear and her old Mm t-shirts and like you know things like that um and every once in a while, like you open the rag and you're like, mom, this is my very special. Shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use this for a rag, but you know, but yeah, uh, I think that is totally like wh- why buy rags if you have excess things that are just going to end up in landfills. It's true. Um, and yeah, clothing used to be a currency. Like we've been reading with my five-year-olds reading lots of books about old time things like the American Girl doll books and um, Little House on the Prairie books. And they get like one dress every couple of years if they need one, mm-hmm. if they, you know, if their sister's old dress and it's very expensive and it's very, um, it's very special like that. Yeah. And they really, that's all they, that's all they need. And their mom makes it and whatever. But like, you know, obviously we're not trying to go back to that in any possible right. way. Like that's not what yeah. we want. We're 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 all people who like clothes. Um, you know, I have a clothing store. You have a fashion line. Like we're, <laughs> we're I mean, it's uh, very cool. It's it, it's great in this time that we can use such an amazing art form as a form of self expression to like show who we are to other people and to, you know have fun. Yeah. But there are ways that you can do it that's a little bit gentler. I was even just thinking when you were talking about reusing the rags, um, something that I've been trying to remind myself is like how many things I don't need to buy in terms of even like, I was like, oh, I want to get reusable cotton pads for like my face, you know, for like facial cleansing. And I'm like, wait, I have like old flannel pillowcases or like I can go to the thrift store and get a whole flannel sheet and I can like literally just cut those up into squares, cut them up into bigger squares for like, you know, burp rags. I don't need to go out and buy a new like piece of a textile every time I like have some need for something. Like I don't really need to buy burp rags. I don't really need to buy like facial cleansing cloths. Like I have all of this fabric at my dispense, mm-hmm. like at every turn. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's like really hard to get out of that consumer mindset, which I think I, we should talk a little bit about that where it's like, we are, and I'm a part of it, you know, like me and Jess, we advertise on the podcast. Like we do influencer work on Instagram at every point. Now we're being inundated with ads and telling us that we need to, buy more things and you own a clothing store, you know, it's something that we're all kind of a part of in one way or another, but how can you kind of approach like, 
I feel like that's the, you know, when we talk about reduce, reuse, recycle, that's like the first step, right? Is just like reduce. So I think a lot about like recycling our clothes, right? Like we're like, well, if I don't want this, someone else wants it. And maybe that's true. And there are definitely ways that we can recycle our clothes. Like if they're really special or really cool or like right on trend, even if they're not fancy, like, you know, Poshmark or real, real, whatever, like you can sell your clothes again, if the, if there's a market for that, but that takes work. But it's also like, totally, especially with clothes, like, so I my clothing store has high, you know, it's like a meat, a mix, but it has some higher end things that people are looking for. And that people know that they last for a long time. So like, if I ever want to go through my closet and sell things, it's mostly things from my store, and they're usually retain their value, because people people know that the brand and they know the, that they, um, that it will last and they still like the style three years Mm -hmm. later or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, the reduction, and I see this also in, um, working in retail is that people tend to, and it's just human nature. Like it's not anyone's fault, but it's just human nature. They tend to think like, Oh, well, I don't want to buy this one expensive item. Like I don't want to spend $200 on this one shirt because that's too much for me, but I love it. And I wish that I could have it. It's my favorite. I love it. It makes me feel great, but I don't want to spend that. And then, so they find like five other things that are less expensive that they don't like as much, but they're less expensive. And then they walk out of the store having spent more money than if they just bought the shirt, but they Mm. feel like they got a deal because they bought the thing on sale and then they got other stuff. But then that is, it's human nature. And I've certainly done it. And I'm sure you have to, like, it's not, I'm not trying to blame anyone, but it's just, I think we're so ingrained that more is always better. Mm-hmm. Like that we should get more things for less money. And that is better than having like the one thing that costs the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, even when I go to a thrift store, which is like fine in terms of sustainability, I remember as a teenager, I would buy like 20 things from the thrift store and like most of the time I, w- I wouldn't wear like three quarters of it right. I'd be like I just bought this because it was a dollar yeah. and I recognized <laughs> the brand and I was like a dollar for this brand like I'm gonna get it yeah. that's that was that that was one of the biggest things when when Becca and I first started the podcast I knew nothing of fast fashion and I was very grateful to have her in my life to help educate me so I started doing like all thrift store shopping with my clothing and initially it was that just that I was like, oh my God, a $1 rack and I'm coming back with a hand, just so much stuff. And my husband looks at me and he goes, I mean, is this the right thing either? Like, this is so much. He's like, do keep doing this, but maybe just not quite as much excess. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. a balance. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's human nature. We're searching for like abundance, yeah. however we can get it. And that's just like, but it's definitely, I think the thing, the, the main thing that we all have to keep in mind is to just be thoughtful about our purchases. It's like the same way we have to do with food and anything else. Like, it's not to say like, you can never buy something from Zara, but like, don't go to Zara and just buy everything that's on the sale rack because yeah. it's on sale. Like, just really be thoughtful. Like, will I wear this sweater? Like, do I love it? Mm-hmm. Does it make me feel good? Like kind of Marie Kondo it before you buy it. And my sister's really good at this. She yeah. runs a store with me. Um, like when she's even, cause you know, we own the store. So when things go on sale, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't believe this is on sale. It's so nice. You present off. I should just take it home. But like, she's much more thoughtful, like 
does this fit into my wardrobe? Do I already have a brown sweater? Do I already have something that like, do I, do I need this? Like, will I wear this? And, um, and so that's something that I am trying to implement in my own life. Cause I too am like a rampant thrift shopper. I love thrift stores <laughs> and, um, I love vintage clothes and I love, like, I have way too many pairs of jeans and they're all vintage, but like it's, and so I feel like great about buying them, yeah. but then it's like, how many pairs of jeans can, and now I'm like, I just want to wear sweatpants anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mom and whatever, but like how many jeans can one person really wear? Like you don't really need more than two pairs of jeans, mm-hmm. but I have 25 or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just, it's, it's something that we all have to really, um, you know, I think it takes honesty, you know, it takes honesty with yourself and a lot of self-reflection, which is like not easy, but honesty, I think to just be like, do I need this? Am I going to like this for more than two months? Like you said, does this fit in my wardrobe or is this just like a fun novel thing? Um, yeah. And I think being really thoughtful also, like one of the, my favorite things about working in our store that's been, you know, it's been there for 35 years in the same community. We have so many customers that have either, either been shopping there for the whole time or their mothers did. And now they do. And they come in wearing something and they're like, I bought this here in 1991. I remember because I bought it to wear to my brother's wedding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we have that customer and all of our customers who have shopped with us for that long can come in and say like, this is my mother's sweater. And I still wear right. it. Like one of our employees has been wearing all of her mother's, her mother shopped in the store. Um, and she now is wearing all of her mom's clothes from the store. And like, then the other, other customers will be like, I have that sweater too. And it's like from 20 years ago. And the fact that they last, they still look good. Um, You know, they were probably a splurge. It was not a cheap sweater, but they are like, that's, I think, a real testament to like what slow fashion is, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. something that 30 years later, your daughter is going to be like, Mm -hmm. it's really nice and Mm -hmm. it still looks amazing. And I'm so glad you kept this. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And even be able, just being able to pass that down to your child. Like I'm thinking about, all the things that I used to purchase when I was just like consuming fast fashion, like nobody's business, none of it is sustained that I can give to my daughter when she's 18. Like, and I think about some of the things that my mom had that were, you know, that she put maybe a little more like, like money into in the moment or that were made well. And now I have them and they're so special. It's like, even just thinking about that for the future with my kiddo. Yeah. I mean, there was no fast fashion, right? Like there was like when our, parents or um were young or even like in the 80s like they're the fast fashion of the time was not fashion like there was like walmart and there was but that stuff was like workwear but now fast fashion has made it so that like they're just like stealing the looks from small designers designers or like top end designers okay broads let's take one more quick pause um instead of business in front party in the back. The past 12 months have brought us a new unexpected combo, business on top and very, very, very comfy on the bottom. If you're on a Zoom call like I am currently right now, there's a 100% chance that uh, from the waist down, I'm still in whatever I was wearing last night, aka this. Hello, YouTubers. Yes, queen. <laughs> um, listen, I'm all about the business, baby. Maybe up top, a blazer, perhaps a full face of makeup, um, and now definitely some polished fine jewelry 
luxury pieces from Majori. I love Majori. You don't have to be uncomfortable to look professional, people. Majori is the one brand we've got on pretty much no matter what. Uh, they make fine jewelry that works for every day regardless of the dress code. The pieces are all handcrafted, ethically sourced, fairly priced, and because the gold pieces are made with 14 karat gold, no green fingers. And the styles are so cute, you guys. So cute. They're so, so good. And not only are they using 14 karat gold, all of their materials are top notch. Everything from sterling silver to pearls and yes, even diamonds. Every piece um, and Majori is the perfect mix of timeless and modern making their pieces. Um, you never have to take them off. They're perfect. Like you said, they're they're like if you go through that website, you're going to find so many options of so many amazing things that you'll love. Um, Majori launches new products every Monday. And no matter what your personal style is, there's something for everyone. Like you were saying, Becca, I never take mine off. Like I have Majori on at some point, either in my ears or on my fingers 24-7. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Majori makes it super easy to build your everyday fine jewelry wardrobe with free shipping on all U.S. and Canadian orders, plus easy returns. And you get a two-year warranty on every piece. Mm -hmm. It's great. Visit Majori.com slash chatty for 10% off your order. That's Majori, M-E-J-U-R-I. We say that very fancy, but M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash chatty. You're going to get 10% off your first order. Broads, I can't be the only one who has had some form of don't forget to make a doctor's appointment scribbled on my to-do list for almost eight months straight. I mean, at this point, it's really just a formality. We all know I have no intention of actually making the appointment, even though I should. Don't ask me why, but scheduling doctor's appointments tends to feel like a Mount Everest-sized task for me. Um, but thank God for plush care now. Now I can schedule and see a doctor virtually completely hassle-free. Plush care is so much simpler than going to a doctor's office in person and so much less anxiety-inducing than self-diagnosing on WebMD. That that never ends well. No, no. If you're a Googler <laughs> like me, you know what a rabbit hole that <laughs> yes, it is. But no. <laughs> no more. All you have to do is pick a time that works for you and you can book your digital appointment right from your computer. You can be diagnosed, treated, and even prescribed medicine in just minutes. I have to tell a little personal anecdote. Please. <sighs> this is just something that comes with working with kids. Pink eye. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. I, I know when I have pink eye, you got to get a prescription for it. I don't want to drive, have to make an appointment that I probably won't be able to get in for three days and drive to the doctor's uh, office. Something like plush care. Perfect for that situation. And so many more. That's just something oh. that I know has been so convenient for All me. All I was thinking about is Ember being little or having multiple children and being like the amount of the hassle and how difficult it is to like put everyone in the car and sit and wait in the oh waiting room when the kids are running around like crazy. And like, especially in the current times, having the option of plush care is yeah. huge. Um, I know putting my health first should be a priority, but now with plush care, it can be a priority, okay? Plush care even accepts insurance and is av and available in all 50 states. Um, I was nervous seeing a doctor digitally, but those nerves, nerves were instantly gone once the appointment started. You can tell the doctors on plush care really care, um, and the appointment was no different than an in-person appointment. It was just more convenient. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash chatty to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash chatty for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash chatty. You know what the great thing is, too? This is like a really quick caveat 
The great thing too about um, natural fibers that I found out with kids' clothes and my own clothes is that you have the ability to dye them. Yeah. And so this is an issue that I've had with my clothes in terms of keeping things a long time is just that I spill shit on my clothes like <laughs> all the time and same with my kids where it's like, I, I've been able to get really honest with, with donating and especially because like my mom used to work at a thr- or like volunteer at a thrift store for a while and my mom was like, you wouldn't believe the shit that people drop off at the thrift store. Like just thinking that someone's going to want your period stained sweatpants yeah. that are like frayed or, and pilling all over the place. Like I think people oftentimes are, what do they call it? They call it like wishful donating or yeah. there's like a, a term for it yeah. where you think like this is not I'm not throwing this away. I'm yeah. hitting it. And then the thrift store is left. to throw it away. <laughs> It's like. Yeah, exactly. It just it gets it gets it out of your conscience. But at the end, like and especially shopping at a thrift store, it's like um, now I get gifted stuff all the time with PR stuff and um, not trying to make myself sound like a saint or anything. But now I freak out. I get like paranoid. And so I'm like, if I get a new pair of like, let's say gray sweatpants through PR gifting, I'm like, okay, I already have a pair of gray sweatpants, but they're like in worse condition. Like I'm going to give away those gray sweatpants because then maybe someone will actually buy them instead of them getting thrown away. And so now I like try to donate stuff that I think people will actually buy because most of it does end up in the trash people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that being said, with the natural fibers, what I've started doing is keeping a um, keeping just like black dye on hand. And then, of course, I also avocado dye stuff, so which I've talked about on my Instagram. So if things get like, you know, coffee or tea spilled on them, I can avocado dye it. But then sometimes there's really gnarly stains like with my kids clothes. And I've just kept black dye, which I'm sure there's probably environmental implications for that. But um, but I'll do I've started doing this every couple months. I'll get a load together and dye everything black. And then it's like a new style. And then I also am not, that's not, that stuff is not ending up uh, in a landfill. So it like gives it new life, a new look. And then it's not something that just has to go in the trash because it's just covered in stains. And let's be real. No one wants someone else's clothes that are just covered Mm -hmm. in stains and no one wants to, I don't want to wear that. Well, just to make you feel better, the, like your, whatever dying you're doing in your own washing machine is like much less bad for the environment than industrial mm. dying on any level. So like mm. you mm. doing it yourself. Yeah. It's like, sure. The dye is like not great for your, for the water table or whatever, but it's yeah. not super, it's not super bad, but in general, di- like dyeing and cotton production. I mean, so we think like natural fibers are better and they are in many ways because they're not shedding microplastics into the water. I mean, just yeah, let's talk about, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, but so, so cotton, it, cotton production is incredibly toxic and takes a mm. ton of water. So that's mm. another thing to think about. Like there, it takes so much water. I think, um, what was, I have a stat here, 20, I think 20% of the world's, uh, water pollution comes from, um, textile production from the co- growing cotton, um, and, uh, sorry, my dad is trying to call me. So I keep being like, ignore, <laughs> ignore. Um, so yeah, it's cotton. Uh, what is it? It takes, where's my, I thought I wrote this down. 
Um, Get out that fact sheet. I know I do. Oh yeah. 20% of the world's water pollution comes from textile treatment and dying because um, Mm. that's, and that's not to mention how much water it takes to create an article of clothing. Like there, it, there are, are places like there's a the former fourth biggest lake in the world was in Uzbekistan and it's now dried up because they diverted the water in the fifties to, um, for cotton production. Wow. And in 1994, it was at its t- 10% of its size and now it's completely gone. Wow. Because it just takes a ton of water to grow, to grow cotton. And then a lot of it, if it's not organic is like treated with, like heavily, heavily with um, pesticides and uh, chemicals. And that is, you know, really, really bad for the people who live nearby because Mm -hmm. it's like totally destroying their water supply. Mm. There is in fact water. So it's not without consequence to buy Mm. natural fibers too. Like there's, it's just, it's like, again, it's just a supply problem. Like there's just too much in every way. So, Mm. um, you know, like a little bit of cotton is great, <laughs> but, but throwing away 85% of it is not great. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So how do you deal with that? Uh, you know, how do you deal with like the ethics of that as a clothing store owner or, you know, like me as someone who's making clothing, how do, how does one grapple with that kind of responsibility? That's more of a personal question. Well, for you. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I think about. And it's like the same way when I was a touring musician, how did I grapple with like flying all over the world? Right. Like there are Mm. certain things that you're like, okay, well, this is not like why I'm in this business. It's not for the carbon footprint, like, or it's not for, um, but, um, I do love clothes. I love the community of having a store where people are like-minded and come in and, um, and I, I, and I love the designers that we work with and we are very, I think this is an important point for listeners too. Like if you, there's so much, um, available now with social media and, um, to find out about the supply chain of your clothing, Mm. like the brands that you're supporting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if there is, and if it's not visible, like you can ask the, you know, you can write on social media, like, I'd really like to know about the supply chain X, Y company. Um, and the more people, ask the more they're going to be transparent about it like and and the more transparent companies are the more they want to be ethical because like no one wants to think like oh like a child getting paid paid slave wages made my shirt like people want to be ethical I think it's like the same way we do with food like the only way that things like this can happen is if we sort of turn a blind eye like we don't want to see Mm -hmm. what we don't want to see so Mm as a small clothing store, we are able to really research what we buy and what we sell. So, um, we have, um, mostly, mostly women designers and they are mostly very, um, transparent about each step of their supply chain. I mean, it's very hard to be transparent about everything because there's like the cotton is grown someplace. It's sure, sure. that's shipped to like across the world to be woven here. There's like, 17 it's steps. almost impossible yeah. to be completely transparent. I'm sure Becca, you know about that being working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was gonna say even with organic cotton. So uh, a lot of people I think don't know. So like with um, the reason that there's so many chemicals that go into like 
what's the word? Not traditional cotton. What's the word I'm thinking of? Non-organic conventional, cotton. Conventional. Conventional cotton. Yeah. Um, is because you basically need all these chemicals to like wash the cotton and to like make sure it's all separated and everything from all the like if you're picking cotton, there's like shit in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Basically. This is my really, really basic explanation. So in order to eliminate all those chemicals, what you need is people picking it by hand. So then you might not have all the pollution of conventional cotton using all those chemicals, but then you add in a whole new problem, which is the, what are the ethics? What are the labor practices Mm -hmm. of where your organic cotton is like being picked and all like you, you basically have like a whole new problem um, with that. And, um, you know, moving into the future, I want to get even more transparent about that because the company that I'm with is like, yes, like we totally like vet all these sources, of the cotton, but it's really difficult because a lot of these co- organic cotton farms are like in India and there's not like full transparency. And sometimes it's literally like you have to go there and like know. Th- so it's like there it seems like sometimes like there's a new problem at every step. Yeah, um, it is. And it's again, it's, you know, the the textile industry is 80% women and um, like the cheaper it is, the more likely it is that there's also children um, in these, you know, in, in, in the supply chain somewhere. So yeah, whether picking the cotton or milling the cotton or um, knitting, weaving, whatever, if it's a t-shirt, it's knit. And if it's um, like jeans, it's, it's woven. And um So one thing that I think um, I heard someone um, on the radio mention this, and I think that this is really actually interesting. Like we don't learn home ec anymore in school, right? Like no one learns. It used to be something that everyone learned, especially, I guess all girls learned, right? Like to, to sew a, a, a man's shirt and a pair of pajamas and a nightgown or whatever, like everyone learned that in school. Now we don't know that. So most people don't know how to sew and or knit or, you know, mm-hmm. and these things are having like a little resurgence on the internet. Like people are really into sewing and knitting, which is great. But it, if you, um, if you sewed a garment yourself, like if you sewed a pair of jeans, you would realize like, this is actually a very skilled job. Like it takes yes. quite a, I'm a good sewer. Like I grew up sewing. I love sewing. I love knitting, but those things, they, they're skilled. Like, I don't think I could go into a factory in Bangladesh and just sew a pair of jeans, mm-hmm. like the way that those, that, that the workers there do, um, that it's a really skilled job. And if you imagine that, um, the final retail, um, price of some of these items is like $9, like, okay, if the final retail price after it's crossed the ocean five times and gone and <sighs> died and woven and like is $9, how much are these people getting paid? Like really, there's just no possible way for it to be ethical. It's just impossible. And it takes well, hours. Like I think people don't realize because they don't know how to sew that like things that are, that articles of clothing like are made by someone. They, someone is making that. Someone is sewing it. It doesn't come out of a, it's not like a, doesn't come out of a mold. Like it, mm-hmm. somebody is making it at every step of the way. Yeah. And I was just even, um, you know, 
people, one of the biggest questions I've been getting about my line is like, is it going to be affordable? And it's like, actually, relatively speaking, yes. But because people uh, always have this qualm, they're like, oh my God, like real sustainable fashion is always so expensive. And it's like, well, yeah, because people are getting paid fair wages. Mm -hmm. Like these are like quality fibers that have, like you said, transparency through the supply chain. Also, if you have a small really small business. Like I am working on a much larger scale because I have a really big following. If people don't, I mean, not a much, it's not, it's not a huge scale, but if people don't, I don't think people that aren't involved in the fashion world understand that when you're doing really small quantities of stuff, like you don't get, it's like when you buy a cup, like one cup, instead of buying 200 cups at once, like you're going to get a discount if you buy a bunch of things at once. So anyway, I get to sell things at a, at a lower cost because I have the privilege of being able to make larger quantities, which makes it cheaper. Like okay. if I was to have to... Doing direct to consumer. So there's not like a middle right. selling to stores, right? So that's another... Step. Yes, exactly. And then also just like... What I was saying is like, don't get upset. I was saying this on my Instagram the other day is like, don't get upset at like small businesses for not making stuff that you feel is affordable. I understand for some people, it's like truly not affordable. Like they can't spend $300 on like this hand woven organic cotton sweater. But at the same time, it's like, that's not where our energy or our annoyance should be directed. Look at companies like free people who are selling this fast fashion thing that they're buying in quantities by the tens of thousands that they're selling for $95 when they're probably buying it, you know, from a supply chain or they're producing it in Bangladesh or whatever. And it's costing them $3 and then they're marking it up at like, you know, I can't even think like 2000% or whatever of like the actual price it costs. And they're and they're not even producing it in any kind of like ethical or remotely sustainable way. Um, and to me, I feel like there's so much misdirected like anger towards like small businesses not making stuff cheap enough for people where it's like, but we're buying these crazy marked up items that are produced so cheaply and right. in an unethical or way. again, like if yeah, like if you really can't afford like fully understand like that not everyone can afford an ex- one expensive article of clothing, but I think people have a misdirected feeling that they deserve or like, you know, that we all need, or they want like 50 articles of clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so like, I think it's just, we all need to like, we, um, just like reset our brains the way we do with food. Like we're not trying, we don't want to have like the entire, Whole Foods vegetable section in our refrigerator, like it doesn't make sense. Like it all goes bad. And that's like feels yeah. bad when you're like, Ugh, I just composted like everything that was in my refrigerator. And like, of course, that happens sometimes and you end up eating out or whatever. And you like waste a lot of food, but that feels bad. But like we don't think the same way about clothes, but it is basically the same thing, essentially the same thing. Um, can we talk a little bit about synthetic fibers and the issues that arise with that? Yeah, well, um, that is another uh, 500,000 tons, which is like the, sometimes with this, all of this, the numbers are so big. They're numbing. You, it just like, I don't even understand what that means. Yeah. So 500,000 tons of microplastics are being shed into the ocean because of clothes every year. 
So that's like um, 50 billion plastic bottles. It's like really a lot. <laughs> and again, like billion is like one of those numbers that we, I don't think as humans, we it's can incomprehensible. Like yeah. understand. So, um, and those come from, so the microfibers um, are tiny, 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 like minuscule pieces of plastic that we can't see, we can't, um, like we can't taste, we can't smell, we get whatever, we can't understand them at all because they're so tiny, but they, every time we wash a synthetic item, so that could be your sports bra, that could be like your super cheap um, sweatshirt from wherever, like there's lots of things that have synthetic fibers in them. And again, um, we talked about this a little bit before, there are certain things that like really neat, like a polar fleece jacket from Patagonia. It's recycled, but it is also made from plastic. And like, there are certain things like that. Like there's no way to make that out of a natural fiber and that's fine. Like, it's really fine that, that synthetic materials exist, but it's just that there are so many of them and they're being made at a rate that is truly, it's really cheap to make them. It takes Mm -hmm. way less like human hand. Um, And uh, they're, they're really cheap. So people buy a ton of them and there's like, you know, everyone's really into um, athleisure and um, working out and all that stuff. If you want anything with stretch in it, it has to have um, basically a a man-made product in it to give it the stretch. Like elastic is is plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And also I've realized that, um, because plastic fibers are so cheap, like one of the cheapest ways to make a t-shirt is using a blend. And you see this all the time in t-shirts, especially like, you know, like a a free t-shirt you'd get at some event or something, which can we please stop doing that? Yeah. (laughs) Can we please stop making like stupid t-shirts with like, no one will ever like, honestly, really no one wants that t-shirt at a thrift store. But I want a t-shirt from my dentist. (laughs) Like I love wearing it out. (laughs) I thought, why is this a thing? Oh my God. It makes me so mad. Um, but the, the the that is super cheap but that's something like it it's literally just because it's cheap you can make a t-shirt out of cotton or you can make it a poly blend and you can make it an even t- cheaper t-shirt and then when i was listening to some co- podcast and the issue is is that like a natural fiber will eventually break down like in you know it'll eventually degrade i mean everything will ooh this is a whole other conversation about like what biodegradable means but biodegradable by the way I think is like the worst term ever because basically it means that like this thing will eventually degrade and break down which like but there's like no but there's no everything will eventually break down so can like so do brands then just put that on everything for the most part to be able to oh sneaky business because something called greenwashing I mean like most of the if something's biodegradable like yeah of course there's like varying degrees but like like, biodegradable like it's not biodegradable <laughs> right 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 but then there's like, like you know conventional plastic not biodegradable yeah but then there's like biodegrade like biodegradable versus compostable trash bags for instance and like biodegradable can often be like a really tricky term because like biodegradable sometimes it'll take things like 30 years to like biodegrade or like 50 years wow, versus okay. like 
if something is especially something that's like certified home compostable means that it can break down like within a year it, like okay. in your backyard or something i mean i'm i'm be- making this super basic and like really like washing over stuff this is not like technical by by any means but biodegradable i all, always am like okay but um where was it going with that oh the issue is is that like when you have the blends they can't be recycled, which like plastic recycling is oftentimes kind of hopeless, but then they also take a really long time to break down. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes if something's like a fully plastic fiber, like jacket or something, it can sometimes be recycled into like something different. Um, but then that can create, a- oh, <laughs> kitty cat. <laughs> but sometimes that can create like a whole other issue um, with, in terms of like emissions and everything anyway point being like blends can sometimes be even worse from what i've heard than like just straight up natural fiber or straight up synthetic fiber yeah that's probably true i mean there's a lot of like vintage like classic vintage um t-shirts and sweatshirts from the 60s 70s 80s that are a blend like a poly cotton blend Mm -hmm. um but and those yeah have a great feel to them. Like, I don't know if you remember like all the American apparel, like really soft t-shirts where the mm-hmm. poly cotton blend. Um, fleecy. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like, again, it's like, it, it has its purpose. Um, I would say though, for listeners um, who have lots of um, things with microfibers in them, the thing to do is to wash them in a guppy bag. It's called a guppy bag, right? So like something that keeps the, um, the water flowing through, it has like very tiny mesh that the microfiber, even though the microfiber is very small, can't pass through. So the particles stay in there instead of going into the water supply. I mean, there's lots of issues with it. Like we also ingest it just from breathing when we're wearing it. And then, um, and if it goes into the water supply, we ingest it from eating fish. I mean, we're like full of plastic. There's just no, there's no way around it. We're all, we've all got lots of plastic in our bodies at this point in time. And uh, no matter what. <laughs> so you are, you know, they Congrats. used to say, you know, they used to say that you're 86% water or something. Now you're 87% plastic. Yeah, you're 86% water and 5% plastic. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, and um, I had a lot of people ask like during the creation of my line, like, why aren't you using like recycled, like all these brands do stuff with like recycled water bottles or whatever. Right. And in some cases, like we advertise for, uh, why can't I think of what's called? Rothy's, like Rothy's yeah. that makes like recycled plastic shoes. And I'm like, look, I have to buy brand new shoes anyway. Like I'm going to do that. How often do I wash my shoes? Like yeah, that make that and makes sense to me. They're always going to have plastic in them. Like mm-hmm. there's yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's great because like wearing a like canvas shoe for leather running, like and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leather moccasin. It's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't really work so well. But um, so like that kind of thing makes sense to me. And how often do you wash your shoes? Not that often, but then like. I don't know. I always take a step back and I'm like, is this greenwashing? Like how much carbon emissions and like how how much manufacturing has to go into recycling plastic bottles in order to use for these synthetic fibers? How many people are actually going to use like a guppy bag or some sort of catcher like when they're washing their synthetic fibers? Like 
to me, it becomes like a lot more complicated and a lot more tricky and sometimes a lot more wishful thinking just for me personally. And I'm like, I don't really want to make clothes with synthetic fibers. And I question the sustainability of like it. the message to me that it sends, I guess this is a little more conceptual, is that like it's okay to use like plastic water bottles and all this plastic stuff. Cause like we can recycle it and make yoga pants all out of it. Right. And I think that that really like is, is, is wishful thinking. Like we've learned so much more about like plastic recycling now in the past couple years, which is apparently something that plastic manufacturers knew all along that like, it's really difficult to recycle plastic. Most of it doesn't end up actually getting recycled and used. Um, most of it is unable to be recycled multiple times, like even more than once, unlike glass or certain types of metals. And I think that that's really important to just not get caught up in this idea that like in this new futuristic world, like Mm -hmm. we're going to make our, um, consumption issues like, okay, cause we'll just be able to recycle everything. I think that's like not actually realistic if we're going to get honest about like the science and reality of like the world we live in. Like, I mean, we I can't, the truth, like we are not, it's when we think about, like you mentioned earlier, reduce, reuse, recycle, like we're really, um, we've been fed the recycle part of that so much. And we don't think about the first two like reduce is the first mm. one. Because reduce and reuse don't make money. Reduce exactly. and reuse don't make money. That's, exactly. that's the truth. So it. reduce means like, don't buy stuff. Don't buy what you don't need. And uh, like everyone forgets that. And reuse again also. Um, like, you know, plastic things that are reusable, i.e. like we've been talking about Tupperware or even Athleisure, even your Patagonia jacket, whatever, like any of those things if you use it all the time, great. Like it's, it's fine. It's the things that are like disposable and those are single use plastics, but those are also clothes that people buy that they want to wear one time, or maybe they never wear. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many clothes that really people never buy and never wear. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's just, it's like one of those things we all just have to like reconfigure our minds about because, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really, it's, it's hard, but it's actually, um, having less, fewer things in your closet, like makes everything so much easier. And I, I mean, I'm like a clothes horse. Like, so I have my closets, a, it's a lot. And now I have a five-year-old who's also like that. So I'm like, you can get new things at the thrift store. <laughs> well, you know, and I think that that's part of that is rewiring too, because, because of the, the, the narratives we're told in our societies and cultures, like new is better Mm -hmm. and new is also a status symbol. And um, it's something I've heard a lot. So I'm second or depending on how you see it, I'm either second or third generation Mexican. And um, like a lot of people I know that are like second, first, second, third generation, like American or not, not even like just people in general, but it's something that I've just seen a lot in my own communities. Like if you sit, like, let's say you're having a baby shower, like how I am or how I've learned to be now is I'm like, I'm going to buy the crib on offer up. Like I'm going to hit up like a Facebook group and see if anyone has uh, a mattress. Like, especially with kids stuff. It's like people, you don't need it for more than two Mm -hmm. years. Like 
why not buy it used? But um, there's a status thing, especially when people grow up in poverty, which I completely understand. I've seen it a lot where like used is associated with like being poor. Right. And um, like there's a lot of politics. I, I don't basically what I'm saying is that I don't judge people for having this mentality, but it's something we have to unlearn is that like used versus new is not a status simple symbol. Like what it actually is a symbol of is like being frugal and like being mindful and like all it all buying used is all good things like that shows that you're being thoughtful, that you're being, you know, that you're saving money. And those are like good things. And that's just something that I've seen a lot, just like in personal, like family, close friends and stuff is just kind of like used is gross, which I think is something that has been a lie that's been sold to us mm-hmm. is like, we need new things because that's better. And that is, that is a status symbol and et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's just something like to really think about and to really evaluate in yourself. Like, am I shying away from this because I believe it says something about like my wealth or like who I am or my value. And that's difficult stuff to get into and evaluating yourself. Absolutely. I mean, we're also like only like one or two generations into the kind of fast fashion generation, right? Like there's, it's not something that our parents even like had really. So um, it used to be like cheaper to make your own clothes than to buy clothes. And so everyone knew like how to sew because they wanted to like to wear a new skirt to the dance or whatever, Mm -hmm. like they're, they, it was cheaper. Now, if you ever have done any crafting, you know that it's like actually much more expensive to make your own clothes Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. Like Yarn's really expensive. I'm an avid knitter. Yeah. And, like people are always like, oh, how much like, you know, like are shocked by how much yarn costs to make mm-hmm. a sweater. I'm like, this is not, I'm not doing this to save money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm doing this because this is my hobby and I love it. And whatever, like that's, you know, if you're going to use nice quality, anything, if you're going to pay for it, because yeah. again, it's the same with the fabric. Like you want, you don't want to like throw all your ethics out the window because you're, um, suddenly sewing and be like, I'm going to buy like synthetic cheap fabric from a sweatshop, like whatever. Um, but, uh, it's clothing has become so cheap that it's actually, it's false. Like it's not actually as cheap as it is in dollars because where we're paying for it is in the environment. We're paying for it by exploiting other people, mostly women. Um, and, by ruining water supplies to tons of people. I mean, this is going to like, even if it stopped today, this would go on. These Mm -hmm. ramifications would go on for generations and generations. So like, we just really need to think about where our ethics are and what, like what we want to teach our kids, what we want to like, you know, just try to stop this mentality of like, I must have the newest trend today and throw it away tomorrow. Like that's just not in any way sustainable. And there are so many, so many brands that are fighting against it and so many ways in which to, and like at kind of at every price point, like maybe not, you can't buy jeans for $9.99 that are made ethically unless you go like to the Salvation Army or whatever. But mm-hmm. like generally there are tons of ways to, um, to buy used things and even use things that are originally from sweatshop. Like if you're buying it secondhand, then that's like considerably better. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me, 
even sometimes if I want something that is like a very, very trendy thing, I can go on Poshmark or the Real Real or Depop or all these websites. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you can buy it used because there's just like, unfortunately, there is so much, but it's actually crazy if you do a little exploring how much stuff you can buy used. Like you're saying the Patagonia fleece, like maybe you don't have to go out and buy a new Patagonia jacket. Maybe you can look on Poshmark or Depop and search or Patagonia eBay. or eBay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah and just find exactly what you want used cares. yeah <laughs> yeah and then if you're in a if you are in a big city like my goodness i mean you you like you were saying you're from la like you go into any store here into any like secondhand store and it's like buffalo exchange yeah like, crossroads whatever, yeah. it's just like oh my goodness it's it's wild People whose stuff, you know, they still have the tags on it because people maybe like, you know, weren't that size anymore mm-hmm. or because or they bought, bought it for, you know, yeah. Yeah. Exchange po- or return policies are 10 days and you didn't yeah. get back in time. Like I've been there and have resold stuff like that. There's just so many options. And I think it because it is so awesome. We live in the age of the Internet and all of that. It just takes like a couple moments to do like a quick search, to figure out where stuff is from, to find stuff that's secondhand. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you really don't have to have like go into that much inconvenience to put a little bit more thought and mindfulness behind the things that yeah, you're Yeah, I think that that's the main, the main thing um, is that just being thoughtful a little bit goes mm-hmm. such a long way just to be like, do I love this? Do I need this? Am I buying this to fill some other hole because I'm like hungry or sad or whatever, (laughs) like thinking of something else? Like, am I buying this because I really think that I need to want to wear it? Like, I think that when people are in the store and they're like, I'm not changing back into my other pants because I love these so much, I'm going to wear them home. Like, you know that that's like something that most likely they're really they really love and that's like a good feeling you know like mm-hmm. it's a really good feeling to be like I bought these here five years later I'm still wearing them every day like that's really amazing and that's like there's nothing wrong with consumerism like in that way like in a way where you're thoughtful you buy something you use it a lot like that's that's really wonderful and mm-hmm. um yeah and I'm I mean I'm as a clothing store owner who sells mostly new clothes like we have a little small vintage section that I'm always sort of refilling and um because I'm like an avid vintage shopper myself so when I find good things I sometimes put them in the store and they've been that's been taking off um lately and uh I have a new little vintage drop that's going up the day this podcast goes out so Um, it'll be on our website but um there's you know like it's it is it's hard like it is an ethical struggle that we have as clothing manufacturers and sellers like do is this you know it's not like we're feeding feeding people like it's not like people need clothes right but people want clothes and people want to feel beautiful and people want to have special things that and and I do think for women specifically although we do have um some men customers and um some people who don't identify just as women but um that there is something about how we present ourselves and how we dress that is very important. And it's also like, I think kind of misogynistic to be like clothes are stupid and don't matter. Like that's not, that's not true. And I think that it is, it's, it is something that matters and it matters and it matters to the people that it matters to. And that's enough, but we also can be thoughtful about how, how we, how we dress ourselves and not exploit other women 
um, and our, you know, mother earth <laughs> while, while we do it, you know? Yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you also please plug your shop yes. and any socials and anywhere that we can find you or the things please, that you, please. that you sell? Yes. My store is called Abigail Rose and Lily too. And the Instagram is Abigail Rose and Lily too. And, um, our website is abigailrosestore.com. And uh, my band, we didn't really talk about that, but we're called the Chapin Sisters and you can Ooh. find us at Chapin Sisters and the Chapin Sisters.com. Amazing. And broads, that'll be in the episode notes. So it's easily accessible for everyone. And then also, like you said, too, there's that new section coming out with your store when this episode drops. Yes. So we will we'll include that as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> pleasure. And with that, broads, chat soon. Chat soon. 